Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What the Chell, your friendly neighborhood non-misogynistic hockey podcast. I am your hostess, my name is Haley, and I am so excited that you're here. Today, I'm chatting with Lauren Schoss, co-founder of Jilkin's Vision, a nonprofit focusing on mental health for athletes. Lauren co-founded the nonprofit with her boyfriend, Danny Jilkin, who was signed with the Winnipeg Jets and playing for the AHL's Manitoba Moose. We had such an impactful and fun conversation, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for popping on to What the Shell. I'm so excited to have you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Okay, so do you want to start off and tell me and our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, yes. Um, so yeah, my name is Lauren Schoss. Um, I am currently a first-year doctoral student studying clinical and school psychology at James Madison University. Bit of a mouthful. Um, <laughs> and then it's it's cool too because I'm actually working under a professor here that is a clinical and sports psychologist. So I get to continue doing some sports psych stuff on the side, working with athletes in the community. Um, So that's kind of what I'm up to. I'm from Burlington, Ontario in Canada. So like half an hour, 45 minutes outside of Toronto um, and lived there literally my whole life up until two years ago uh, when I moved to Boston for my master's degree. And then now I'm in Virginia. (laughs) So I've been kind of moving all around the U.S. recently. (laughs) And this is definitely a change of scenery. Um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, What else? I guess I was a competitive dancer growing up. um, So that's a big reason why I got into sports psychology and just kind of have an interest in general. Um, So I danced my whole life up until last year. (laughs) So it's my first year being in retirement. Um, (laughs) And my body, my body says, thank you. I'm sure. I'm sure that's so tough on the body. (laughs) Yeah. My hips hurt always. Anyway, (laughs) um, so danced for a long time. Um, I had a younger brother who played hockey and I'm now also dating Danny Jilkin, who is signed with the Winnipeg Jets, currently playing for the Manitoba Moose in the American Hockey League. Um, so I'm pretty involved in the hockey world, I like to think. Um, I love hockey. It's my favorite sport to watch. Can't skate, though. That's a fun fact. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I can't figure it out. Uh, maybe one day. Um, and yeah, I feel like that's pretty much everything. I mean, I, I love to travel. I have a slightly unhealthy obsession with cooking TV shows. Um, yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Awesome. (laughs) So fun. You kind of answered my next question. I was going to ask is what got you into hockey? I, you said how much you love it and your brother played and then now you're dating a hockey player. So how did you get into that sport? Was it just through watching your brother's games or? Yeah. I mean, growing up in Canada, obviously hockey is big, um, in general, like kind of a rite of passage. I feel like. A little bit. Yeah. It's like, I, there's like a running joke. I feel like where it's like, is there a question about like hockey on like the Canadian citizenship test? There should be. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, obviously just growing up in the Toronto area, like the Leafs are pretty popular. Um, I grew up in a very sporty family. Um, so we had hockey on a decent amount growing up, not as much as you would think considering my brother played, but, um, just sports in general. Um, and just kind of always in and out of the rink. Um, so my brother started playing, we're two and a half, three years apart. He's younger than me. 
Um, and he started playing super young, probably like four or five years old, started playing rep hockey. And I kind of instantly took an interest. Um, I can still remember, like I was probably like seven or eight at the time. And he is, he was playing his first year of rep hockey and myself and a couple of the other sisters on the team would sit in the stands and we would keep the stats and we had these little notebooks, (laughs) colored pens. Yeah. And so we'd write down like this person scored and then the goalie made this number of saves and we were like super into it. So yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) even from a young age, like always loved being at the rink um, and just watching him play. Um, And then of course, as he got older, I think it got even more exciting. Like the pace of the game increased it was more physical it was just a higher level like he transitioned to a different league in our area um so it was just a lot more exciting and I always was just like itching to be at games um and so became friends with a couple of the guys on his team Danny included um and then of course so my brother transitioned out of hockey a couple years ago he now is in school to become a pilot the very smart well-rounded kid. So yeah, doing some cool (laughs) stuff now. Um, Very proud of him. But um, of course, at kind of at that same time, Danny and I got into a relationship. And so I've never really left hockey since getting into it. Um, Danny spent the past four years in the Ontario Hockey League, and I was kind of around for most of that. And then um, now is playing pro. So I'm You'll find me at a rink often, almost every weekend is hockey weekend in in my house. I watch hockey a lot. Um, And I just love the sport. I think it's it's such a cool sport. It's so exciting to watch. I have such an admiration and like appreciation for what the players do because I could never. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I just, you know, obviously watching it live is super exciting. But even watching it on TV, it's one of the only sports where I can actually sit there and watch a full game because it just it keeps me engaged. Um. So I genuinely love it. But yeah, it really all started with my brother. So shout out to him. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. I Mm -hmm. love that. So you've really just been involved from almost as young as you can remember. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much my whole life. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is cool to just kind of grow up with a sport and see how it evolves and changes and different levels too. Like starting out super young all the way now to professional is different but really cool to see how it evolves so yeah very cool um so you have a nonprofit um called I want to make sure I'm saying it right Jilkin yeah Jilkin's Jilkin's vision Vision. um so just tell (laughs) us a little bit about Jilkin's vision yeah so um it's a mental health organization that Danny and I started back in August of 2022 so just over a year ago okay Um, And really our goal with it is to have conversations that aren't really being held anywhere else in sport. Um, And through that to just kind of begin to break down as much as we can the really, really pervasive stigma around mental health within kind of the sports world and the athlete community. Um, And then with that too, kind of raising that awareness and beginning to advocate for better resources because a lot of a lot of sports right now, um, the resources either aren't there at all or are really hard to come by, or if they are there, they're kind of inaccessible for a number of reasons. Okay. Um, so that's really kind of our goal with the organization. Um, 
like I said, we've been in existence for just over a year now. Um, and our focus as of more recently has kind of been on the like raising awareness and outreach kind of piece. Um, about a month-ish, just over a month after we launched, we did our first fundraiser um, where his OHL team at the time, the Guelph Storm, were gracious enough to actually give us one of his game-worn jerseys that we were able Aww. to raffle off to fans. Yeah. How cool. So, so nice of them. They were really, really supportive. We actually had like a little table at one of the games that I was able to be there for. Um, and so I got to talk to a lot of fans and kind of tell them about our work. And then they donated and entered the raffle and it was awesome. And so we were actually able to donate over a thousand dollars to the local branch of the Canadian mental health association. Oh my goodness. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And so having only been at that time in existence for a month to be able to hand over a check for, I think it was about $1,300 wow. felt great. Um, yeah. Just to, you know, give back to an organization that's doing really, really good work in the community that at that point he had been playing in for the past three or four years. Um, so that was really exciting. And then since then, we focused a lot on social media. So like uh, we did, I think about 13 or 14 weeks of what I called like ZV Mental Health Mondays. So posting uh, every Monday on a new mental health topic that related to athletes, um, using primarily my own knowledge and training from school. Um, and then more recently, so over the summer, we actually had the opportunity to be keynote speakers at two different events. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, which I have since learned is probably my favorite part of this work. I love getting to connect with people in person to share what we've been doing and my kind of training and background and knowledge about mental health and sport with community members and kind of inspiring them to take action. Um, so I love doing that <laughs> and, um, I hope we have more opportunities to do that in the future. Um, but that's kind of where we're at now. Um, obviously <laughs> he moved out to Winnipeg this year to start his pro career. I'm in the first year of my doctoral program. There's been a lot happening for both of us in the past couple months, a lot of change. Yeah. Um, so things have kind of been a little slow to get going as we just kind of figure out our new normal um, yeah. <laughs> and get settled into life. But um, I'm sure we're, we're hoping to do another fundraiser somewhat soon um, and maybe get connected with the community more out in Winnipeg. So we'll see what's coming, but yeah. That's awesome. I love that. I'm sure that, I mean, I know just in our culture and kind of our society already, mental health is still stigmatized and, and there's still, kind of it's almost kind of taboo in some some places so i'm mm -hmm. sure in sports where especially men's sports where it's oh you're supposed to be tough you're supposed to be manly and macho i'm sure it's even harder to talk about mental health and to get those resources and you know i remember i can't remember who the player was but there was a player that um came out of the nhl player assistance program earlier this season or maybe in the off season and said that it was for mental health. And I just remember reading the comments online, a lot of people saying, oh, so soft. So, you know, such a, such a wimp, you know, whatever, um, kind of making fun of this guy for, for getting the help that he needs. Yeah. And, and that's, it, that's exactly the problem, right? Is that like, there is a stigma in general, and then we kind of are 
as a society, we often put athletes and especially male athletes on this like pedestal of like, oh, you're going to play through injuries. Oh, things just Mm -hmm. don't affect you the same way. It's like, nope, the same way that, you know, I feel emotions if something happens in my life is the exact same way that a professional athlete's experiencing them. They've just been taught over and over and over to suppress them and bury them and not outwardly show them. But we all have a limit to that. Um, And I think more and more athletes recently have been speaking out about mental health and have been, you know, sharing their experiences like that hockey player did. And it's really sad um, to see like fans and just the general kind of community make comments like that, because all Mm -hmm. it does is then discourage more players from speaking out. Um, And so I always say, like, if fans can do anything, it's just to to be nice. (laughs) (laughs) That player had the courage to go and get help. And that's huge. Yeah, it's more than most people would. And then to publicly come out and explain that to people is huge and I hope had a positive impact on somebody being like oh wow like he experienced that night like I am too and that makes it like that's okay Mm -hmm. um and I just wish people would recognize (laughs) the amount of courage and the positive impact that speaking out can have um and that people would just be a little nicer, especially yeah. on social media when they can hide behind a anonymous username and somehow think that they're experts on how the human brain works. But oh man, the hockey fans <laughs> on social media can be brutal. So yeah, no brutal. <laughs> it's a it's a dangerous world, I think. And I again, if people were just a little nicer, we wouldn't have half the problems that we had. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so kind of speaking on that, continuing on that kind of train of thought, what do you think is the biggest barrier to mental health care for most people? Yeah, I think the stigma is huge. Um, and you mentioned it too, like it exists everywhere, right? Like, um, it doesn't matter if you're an athlete or not, regardless of how you identify your gender and, you know, all of those things, like there's a stigma always. Um, and the idea of seeking help and being really vulnerable and showing a side of yourself that you probably don't show to a lot of people can just be really scary. Um, I think there's also also like a cultural component. Like there are Mm -hmm. some cultures where speaking about emotions and speaking about mental health is just very taboo, even more so than, you know, what we see in the U S and in Canada. And so depending how people are being raised and kind of what they're taught growing up and what they're surrounded by their comfort and willingness to really be in touch with those things. And then to openly share them with another person can look really different. Um, and then I think, moving away from that stigma piece a little, there's also just like logistical barriers to a lot of mental health care. Um, You know, location is a big one. Um, I think there's been a lot of research that has come out in recent years just about where like the volume of mental health providers are located. And it's Mm -hmm. usually urban cities and, you know, not really branching into those more rural communities. And so if you want to see somebody in person, is there even somebody around for you to do that within an accessible different uh, distance? Um, Are you able to find a provider that, you know, supports your identities or maybe identifies similarly to you, whether that's 
the like you know your racial or ethnic identity whether that's your gender identity your sexual orientation like you know all of those things um we like to talk to people that remind us of us right it's a lot easier mm -hmm. to open up to a person that we see as being similar in some ways and so if you can't find a provider that matches those things about yourself you might be more hesitant to actually go talk to someone um and then cost <laughs> it is um, so expensive it's literally ridiculous um and you know that's for me personally, like looking at my professional career trajectory in the future, I really hope that I'm able to offer services on kind of that sliding scale, really working with people based on their income and what feels realistic for them at that time to not have to turn anybody away from the support that they need because of that. But the reality, yeah, <laughs> but the reality is that's not shared amongst a lot of professionals. Um, and also for people that are working within an organization, so not on their own, there's usually not that flexibility. Um, and so, yeah, like your average therapy session nowadays is over a hundred dollars mm -hmm. an hour. Mm -hmm. If you add a sports psych lens to that and you want to see somebody who's like specially trained in sport, it's usually even more. Um, you know, I, depending on that person's licensing and degrees. If you see a psychologist, like somebody who has a doctorate, it can be like upwards of two or $300 an hour. And for the average person, that's not realistic, especially not on a, a weekly basis. Absolutely. Um, and insurance doesn't always cover it. And so I think that just purely the financial barrier in conjunction with all of those other things like the stigma and the location and all yeah. of the, that stuff culture it just creates like a bit of a, a mess that results <laughs> in a lot of people not seeking help unfortunately for any number of those reasons um so there's a lot of factors um but i think those are probably the bigger the bigger ones at least from what i've seen in in my work so far yeah. I mean, I would agree even just from my own point of view, you know, trying to find a therapist and I've found one virtually through BetterHelp, which is um, a lot more cost effective, I would say, mm -hmm. than than in-person therapy. But just finding one that matched and and finding something I could afford. I mean, it's it's not easy at all. Yeah, no. And that, well, and that's the thing too, right? Like you need to, you need to like the person and you need mm -hmm. to click with the person and it doesn't always happen. Like sometimes we joke that like finding a therapist can feel a little bit like speed dating <laughs> where you have to like have like these small conversations with so many different people and kind of see yes. which one you're vibing with. For sure. Um, and that's important, right? Because in order to get the results that you want in therapy and to really have those great outcomes that a lot of people can have, there needs to be compatibility there. Um, but that also means finding the right person can then make it even more complicated when you add all these other factors like location and costs and all these other things in there. Yeah. So yeah, just very complicated system <laughs> that's, issue. System that's a good way to put it. Complicated. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, just continuing on our mental health conversation, what is the biggest piece of advice that you would give to someone regarding mental health? I think, and like this kind of touches on the, the stigma piece of like, so we as humans are 
not meant to be isolated. <laughs> like human nature is seeking connections with people and trying to find your your community and trying to find people where there's this bi-directional support and love and mm-hmm. security. Um, and so this idea that we have to be able to deal with things on our own is inherently going against human nature. And so I think my biggest piece of advice for people is that a lot of the times when something happens, or maybe it's not even one isolated thing, but it's, you know, the accumulation of things over time or whatever it is, we feel this like sense of, well, I I just have to deal with it on my own. I have to tough it out. I have to just figure it out. I don't want to put that on somebody else. I don't want to make it somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. And that is literally going against your nature as a human being. And so my biggest piece of advice is to to rely on people when you need to. And for some people, it might be a friend or a partner or a parent or whoever. And for other people, it might look like a professional resource, whether that's a therapist or a counselor, or even just one of those like crisis or texting calling kind of lines Mm -hmm. that are always there and are free. Um, Just do not be afraid to ask for help. Um, we're not built and we're not equipped and no one expects you to be able to deal with everything on your own. There's a reason why there's a really high demand for mental health professionals right now because people need help and that's okay. Um, so asking for it when you need it. And then at the same time, if you're on the other side of that equation and you, you see somebody that is struggling checking in with them and then helping them to get connected. Um, I think a lot of the times we kind of ask somebody how they're doing and we expect them to say fine or good. Mm -hmm. And we just kind of leave it there. We don't really take the time to actually be like, really? (laughs) How are you actually doing? (laughs) Like for real. Right. And then if somebody says, well, I'm not doing great. Most of us would be like, Oh no, like, I don't know how to respond to that. Right. (laughs) So like mm-hmm. actually taking the time then to be like, okay, like what's going on? Is there anything that I can help you with? You know, if it would be helpful to get you connected with someone, can I help you with that process? Like just being there and checking in for real with the people around us, um, I think is the best way to A, make sure people feel supported, but B, to also start to combat that stigma and show people like, hey, I genuinely care about you and I don't expect you to figure this out on your own and I'm here to help and offer a hand in whatever way is possible would probably be the biggest thing, but yeah. That's great. I mean, I 100% wholeheartedly agree. Just reaching out, having, building a support community is Mm -hmm. so, so important, Um, you know, especially now we're fine, you know, we're finally, finally feel like post pandemic and you really can right. start <laughs> connecting in person again and, and really just start building community. I just moved to a new area this past summer. So, you know, I'm working on building my community, finding my people and, yeah. you know, th- thank goodness we live in the age of technology and I can connect with my friends and I'm sure you are incredibly thankful with Danny living in Winnipeg. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, we love FaceTime. <laughs> Thank you, Apple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And so like and that connection piece doesn't always have to be sitting down in a, the same room as a person, right? Like if you mm. have your people and you just need to kind of find a way to stay connected with them, whether it's texting, calling, FaceTiming, 
zooming, all those things, totally fine. Just we have to be connected. That's how we were designed to operate. So don't try to handle everything alone. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to transition just a little bit and we're going to talk a little bit about WAG life because you've been doing it for a number of years. Yeah. Um, So (laughs) my original question before I knew that you and Danny were not in the same place was, do you go to every home game? So were you with him when he was in the OHL? Yeah, sort of. So when he was in the OHL, we lived like 45 minutes away. Okay. Okay. Um, So close enough. Um, I did not go to every home game. I was, I've always been in school, like for the past six years straight, I've been in school. So even when I was home and in the same area, I was still in school full time. (laughs) So I don't go to every home game. I really wish I could. I love it. It's so much fun. It's a little stressful. Um, (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. But for the most part, really fun and I love it. Uh, So yeah, uh, I don't get to go to every game. Now I, I have yet to go to a home AHL Moose game. December coming up. (laughs) So exciting. That'll be so, so much fun. I'm sure Yeah, to actually get to be there. So do you watch the games at home then? Do you try to to watch every game that you can? And yeah, yeah. Honestly, last season, which would have been his last year in the OHL, I could probably count on one hand, the number of games that I didn't watch and stream. Um, Yeah. I try my best to, to watch everything, even if it means, having to multitask a little, um, you know, sometimes the game will be on TV and I'll be like finishing an assignment on my computer <laughs> and that kind of thing. Or like, you know, maybe I'll be in class and it'll be split screened, <laughs> like game on one side, all my notes on the other. Things happen, right? Um, time differences also wasn't a thing in the OHL it is now. So that alters things a little bit okay. too. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, I watch every game and I, you know, kind of have my own little like, at home game day routine of, you know, I always make myself like a little, if it's a nighttime game, sometimes I'll have like a glass of wine while I'm watching or like mm-hmm. I'll make myself a little snack before and just kind of like try to make myself feel like I'm there, even though I'm watching that. on TV. <laughs> Are you like always on the, I feel like I would be so nervous. Are you always like on the edge of your seat, like biting your nails? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and it doesn't help too that I'm like a chronic nail biter. So it just gets oh, me no. during hockey. Um, yeah, no, I definitely do get nervous. Like mostly because I just want him to do well and want yeah. him to feel good about yeah. his performance. Um, also given, you know, being a, I always say like being a hockey girlfriend sometimes feels like a full-time job where it's like, if it doesn't go so great, I'm usually on the receiving end of the we need to talk about that after. You're the comforter. Uh, yeah. Well, and I'm also like a, I'm in training to be a sports psychologist. Yeah. So by default, that's kind of <laughs> the role. Um, but yeah, so I always want him to do well, obviously. And like he, you know, I've really watched him grow in his career for the past almost decade. And so there's this like sense of, I'm, I'm very proud of him and I see how hard he works and I want to see that hard work pay off and I want to see him get rewarded for that. And so of course I'm always on the edge of my seat wanting him to to score, make a good play, 
you know, all that yeah. good stuff. But he usually he's a good player. So it takes is the load a, off. Is a little. he a forward? He is, yeah. He plays currently he plays center. Okay. Um yeah. So it's Very fun. Cool. Fun to watch. Yeah. I'm sure I what is what is that feeling like when Danny scores? Like is that just the best feeling in the world? Yeah, yeah. He actually <laughs> you're catching me at a good time. He actually just scored his first goal as professional hockey ever oh last weekend in Texas. Yeah. So I was watching, obviously, sitting on my couch, and I saw him sitting, like, standing in front of the net, and usually when that happens, I, like, have to stand up, because I'm, like, too antsy to sit, so (laughs) I see him kind of, like, you know, prowling around the net, and I'm, like, okay, I can kind of feel like he's gonna, there's something coming, so I, like, stand up and, like, watch and wait for something, and then I just, like, I don't even know what I did, I probably screamed like I would have if I was (laughs) at that game, Um, yeah, it's, it's so exciting, and, you know, obviously, again, it's just, seeing his hard work kind of pay off and him get rewarded for it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very, very exciting. I did not cry this time, which was surprising. <laughs> his Aww. first, his first OHL goal, I was in person at the game for it and I did cry. So I was a little surprised when I was able to hold it together the other night, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was super exciting. So It might've been the, you know, the TV is a barrier. I have a feeling when you actually so. get to go to a game. <laughs> You might might break out a couple little tears. <laughs> I think you might be right. Yeah, I I am like it's so funny too because I don't think I I have never considered myself to be much of a crier in other things, but with hockey, I don't know what. And with him specifically with hockey, I don't know what it is. Like I cried at that at that game when he scored his first goal in the OHL. I cried at the draft last summer. Like there's I don't know. <laughs> It affects me in a different way, I guess. But yeah, yeah. So. Honestly, you can't. I feel like you can't call yourself a hockey fan if you haven't <laughs> cried at hockey. Right. Okay, that makes me feel better. Thank you. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all done. Yeah, and we don't even true. we don't even know the players. We don't even have a connection with them. We feel like right. we do, but we don't. Valid. Yeah. No, for sure. That's yeah. Very true. It just hey, it just means I'm emotionally invested, and that's not a bad thing. So. <laughs> It's good to be in touch with your emotions. <laughs> Mental health. Yes, there we go. Full circle. <laughs> so what are the best and worst things about being a hockey girlfriend? <laughs> okay, let's start with the not so good stuff. Okay. Um, I would say for me, the hardest thing, and this is very much so related to just my personality, is not being able to really plan things in advance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'm a very type A person. I can get anxious and stressed out if I don't have a plan. I have to-do list. My wall right now is covered in sticky notes of all the flights that I have booked for the next <laughs> two months because it's the only way I can keep them straight. Like that's just my personality. And so Last year, (laughs) he was called up to the Moose at the end of his season. His OHL team lost in their second round of playoffs. And so the Moose were like, hey, just come out, skate with us, travel with us, be here. Um, Sort of in anticipation of him being there full time this season. And so he was there right as they were starting their first round of playoffs at the beginning of May. And the sort of plan was that if when they eventually lost and got knocked out, he was going to try to come down to Boston for my graduation. And then we were going to try to go on vacation. 
Well, of course, the way playoffs work, like you might have an idea going in, yeah. but I think us and our opponent were relatively evenly matched. And so we really didn't know how this series was going to go. And so we ended up losing after, I think, five games. And at that point, it was about a week prior to my graduation and about just over like a week and a half prior to the date that we would have wanted to leave for vacation. So about two weeks in advance and we went ahead and like booked the vacation, booked the flights, everything like the the day that they got knocked out of playoffs. And I was like, I was sitting there for like a month, like Danny, I can't, I just can't do it. Like I can't plan a vacation two weeks before, especially when it's like also my graduation. I have so many things going on. And I was like, Danny, this is stressing me out. And he's like, dude, you just kind of got to get used to it. Like, this is going to be how it is from here on out. And I'm like, oh my God. Um, It's like, this is your new life. (laughs) Right. And it's honestly, it's probably good for me to be pushed to be a little bit more go with the flow. I think that's probably healthy, Um, but it has been an adjustment. Um, And then kind of along with that, it's like, if if you do plan things in advance, you run the risk of those plans not working out um like I have a friend who um her partner has been bumped up and down between the AHL and NHL teams like literally every week (laughs) and so she keeps trying to like book flights to go visit him and then all of a sudden he's not there anymore because they're in different cities and it's like okay so again thankfully in our case like you know, when eventually he hopefully starts getting called up to the Jets, um, maybe not this season, hopefully within the next couple of seasons, if he yeah. kind of starts going back and forth, they're literally in the same city, they play out of the same rank. So the only thing that would potentially get wonky is if like, I had a flight booked because he was supposed to be home playing at home for two weeks and then gets called up and they're on yeah. the road trip or something, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so there's always a little bit like even when you do plan ahead, because you think you are good. There's like a little bit of a risk. Um, yeah, they can sure. get traded anytime. Oh, anytime. The, the trade thing has got to be so scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just the, it's that I think that I struggle the most with. Um, just not really being able to make any super concrete plans. Um, holidays, which like we've always been we've never been together together. Like we've never like lived together or been like five minutes away. We've always had some form of distance between us. So it's not that big of a deal um, for me, but like a lot of people are surprised when I say like, yeah, we've been dating for like four years, but like we've spent like no new years together ever. We've spent one Christmas together. We spent one Valentine's day together. And by that, I mean, he had a game that I just happened to go to (laughs) Um, he's never been with me on my actual birthday except for COVID year because they didn't have training camp. Um, so like things like that, you just kind of have to let go of, (laughs) um, which again, for me, I've never felt like is that big of a deal, but I know for other people it would be like, oh my God, like, how do you not spend Valentine's day with your partner? Uh, you get used to it after a while. (laughs) Um, so those would be kind of the, the less fun parts maybe. Um, but I would say almost everything else is very positive. Um, you have a really unique community in hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met a lot of really cool people. Um, 
in hockey in general and then specifically like other girlfriends and wives and partners um some of them on our team like I'm I'm now in the in the group chat and I'm starting to get to know the girls a little bit better even though I haven't been out there yet so it's super nice for them to just be so welcoming um how good which is great makes me even more excited to be there in about a month um and then you know also just with other girls like I've been connected with other wives and girlfriends that I've met like on TikTok and on social media and you just like automatically have this sense of connection with them yeah. because they understand your life and they just are willing to be there like I've had you know wives that are like seriously reach out to me whenever like if you have questions or if you're feeling stressed about something like I get it and you can talk to me um so just like a really so- cool like sense of community Aww. um and then also you get to watch, you know, the person that you love do what they love and <laughs> be good at it. And you get to travel to some cool places or live in some different places sometimes and yeah. just, you know, yeah. So there's a lot of positives to it. Um, I think the thing that's been the hardest for me is just planning. Um but sure. I have yeah. flights booked now, so we're manifesting that everything's good. I love good. that. I love that. <laughs> I feel like you must not be too far of a drive from Hershey. I don't know where Harrisonburg is in Virginia, but I lived in the D.C. area a little bit ago. Okay. Not too far of a drive from Hershey, so maybe you could go visit Danny when he's there. Yeah, I, so that's what I was hoping. I was hoping that he would play like Hershey or that um, he would actually play Providence because my best friend from my master's degree, um, she lives like right in between Boston and Providence. Okay. Um, so like if he was playing even in Hartford or something, like we could have, I could have yeah. gone and stayed with her for a weekend and she loves watching him play with me. So she would have come to the games and stuff. Um, they like don't play any teams on the east coast at all yeah they play i think maybe they play laval and belleville in canada but they don't come down to the u.s side on the east like at all um so that plan kind of got blown so all the ahl teams don't play each other like they do in the nhl no so yeah, oh. we don't meet we don't meet Providence, I don't think ever. Um, so like teams like that would only really become a possibility for me to go if we like met them in playoffs. Mm-hmm. And truthfully, mm-hmm. I tried my friend, actually the same friend that I just mentioned, we really tried hard last year to decipher the AHL playoff brackets and like could not figure it out. So um yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that works and I don't know if it would have to be like literally the finals for us to meet a team like that. Because we're like we're in that like central, okay. Di- okay. So like Milwaukee, Texas, like Rockford. Oh, I think. gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's I'm figuring it out as we go. But apparently they don't like the East Coast U.S., which is just fantastic because oh. I live here. <laughs> what a bummer. Yeah. So yeah, you make it work. You know. Yeah, for sure. You'll. You'll get to see him soon. That's going to be so exciting to to be there, I'm sure. Do you have any, like, cutesy things that you wear? Or do you just wear a jersey? Or, like, what's the vibe? Yeah, I um, I don't know what I'll wear this time. I think the two games that he plays in Toronto in a couple of weeks, um, I have a jacket that my friend made for me. My friend Brandy is 
incredible. She makes literally the best customs ever. Um, she made me this cute little, it's like a cream white puffer jacket with his initials DZ in like this beautiful blue, like glittery lettering. And then his signature going across the back. Oh, that's Um, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't been able to wear it yet because I haven't been to a game yet this season. So it's been living in my closet at home, just waiting for those games in Toronto. (laughs) So I'll definitely wear that at least one of the games. Um, But generally speaking, like sometimes I'll wear like a jacket like that, that has his name or number or initials or something on the back. But more often than not, like it's kind of fun to use games as an excuse to dress up a little. Um, I know the girls out in Winnipeg, it's, I obviously haven't been out there yet, but it's pretty common for them to like hang out a little bit before, maybe go grab dinner, things like that. So you can kind of get dressed up and then I'll head over to the game. And yeah, so that's kind of my usual vibe is I would say like, like jeans or like leather pants or trousers of some kind, like a nice simple bodysuit. And then like one of those nice like coats because it's freezing in Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Or like, or the custom. So we'll see what happens this time, but that's, that's my usual go-to. Yeah. Fun. I love that. Do you have, um, kind of like special, like, do you guys have like a WAG seating section and you all sit together or do you kind of spread out or how does that work? Yeah. From what I understand in Winnipeg, yes. Um, So there's a family room where like the girlfriend's wives, kids get access to, and that's where we can kind of like hang out before the game and like have some munchies and some drinks and stuff. Um, And then there is like a specific section in the rink that like we always are in. Um, So from what I understand, yeah, which obviously was not the case in the OHL. Um, OHL, or at least when we played in Kitchener, because he got traded during his last season, um, there was like a family room for billet families and players' parents and stuff. So I would hang out in there. Okay. The one game that I went to, um, and then his billets had the same tickets, but for me, the tickets kind of changed every time. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So yeah, this will be my first time really experiencing like the full like WAG system of like family room, assigned seating, group of girls that are all kind of together. Yeah. That honestly sounds like so much fun. That's going to be a great experience for you, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely like, I'm super excited. I'm a little nervous, like going in obviously as like new to the team and haven't been there yet group of girls that seem really close um which is exciting because they seem very welcoming so i'm excited to like make friends with them but also you can you know a little nervous but i'm sure it'll be fine it's almost like it's almost like feels like high school or something again like trying to be like hi can i join your group can i sit with you (laughs) yeah please like can i be your friend yeah pretty much um it's nice because I guess the one kind of saving grace is that you already have something in common. Yeah. Like you already have, you know, your, your boyfriends, your husbands, your partners are already all friends. And so like by default, you're kind of all in the same, you know, so you already have some kind of common ground and it's just a matter of getting to know people a little bit better. So I think it'll be okay. Yeah. That's so fun. Okay. um, So I have one more question kind of about WAG hockey world. What's Mm -hmm. something that our listeners as just everyday fans may not know about the game and may not know about hockey's or 
uh, hockey's hockey games or you know professional players or things like that from someone that's so closely associated with it like you are yeah that's a good question i i wonder i feel like so, like people are starting to really get to know kind of the ins and outs of the games more with like um I don't know, people have been, there was even, there was like a TV show a few years ago called like Hockey Wives or something that kind of showed people like the behind the scenes of, oh, yeah. So I like, I, I missed yeah. that. I might have to find that. I know. Yeah, you should. I, I remember watching like a couple episodes with my mom and being like, whoa. Um, so I feel like a lot more people are like exposed to kind of the, like behind the scenes world. But I would just say like in general, like, I don't know. I think a lot of people think that like, playing hockey full time as like a career is like, I don't, I don't know what the right word is. I don't know if people necessarily realize like just the amount of like work and time and effort and just like the amount of time that they spend even just thinking about the game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Like it is, it is consuming their entire life. And when you're also related to that, like in my position as his girlfriend, it takes up a lot of my life too by default. And I don't even live there. Um, And so I I think people maybe, you know, you see like, I've seen stuff on social media where it's like a player's on vacation and people are like, don't like, isn't like you're on vacation, like all the time, like it's your summer, like you're going to spend like whatever. And they kind of like are weird about it. Like Mm -hmm. they're like, Mm -hmm. they don't fully understand like, why it's such a big deal like on all-star break why so many players just like take off and like go to like a nice beach and like veg out for a week and they're like why like shouldn't you be in the gym working like shouldn't you still be practicing and it's like these players are on the ice in the gym every single day yeah and they get their summer and people are like oh it's you get like four months of summer like you're so lucky that's more than the average person working and it's like Danny's schedule over the summer was him being up at five o'clock in the morning every day, driving an hour and a half downtown Toronto, skating for two hours, then working out in the gym for an hour and a half, and then sometimes having a second skate later in the day. You want to call that relaxing? (laughs) That's busier than his schedule in season. Um, And so I think a lot of people just like have this idea of like hockey players is like, oh, well, they just get to play hockey for a living. Like, wow, man, I wish I could do that. Like that sounds (laughs) like, you know, and, and they're like, why do they make so much money and like all like they just don't really fully grasp like how committed and invested in your sport you have to be to get to this level of hockey um like they are constantly thinking about the game even when they're not at the rink they're talking about it they're thinking about it they you know danny plays like the nhl video game and it's like (laughs) it's just you know what i mean like it's just it's always there And, you know, it takes a lot to get to this point in your career. Um, And so when a player takes off for a week to go sit on a beach with their their girlfriend or their wife or their kids or their parents or whoever, like, that's the only break that they're getting for eight months. (laughs) Like, think about that a little. Um, You know, their lives are completely controlled and dictated by the team and by the league. They don't, you know, people are always like, well, can't Danny just come and see you when no. he, <laughs> he has games every weekend 
every single weekend, you know, throughout the week he's at practice. He can't just, oh, you know, I, I kind of want to take a week off this week and go down to Virginia and stay with Lauren. He can't do that. Um, you know, so I, yeah, it takes a lot. Um, and if you know a professional athlete, if you are a fan of a professional athlete, just kind of taking a moment to appreciate how much goes into it. And yes, there are perks and yes, they make a good living. And yes, like all of these things are true. And also they are literally dedicating their lives and also their families are dedicating their lives to let that happen. So it's, it's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it that I think people don't fully realize, but they work incredibly hard throughout their whole lives and then in their kind of peak career. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I feel like being an athlete and especially a professional athlete is kind of the definition of dedication. Like, yeah, you really have to love something to be that dedicated to it. Yeah. And to just, and to put your body and your mind through the amount of like turmoil that they go through. Right. Like, um, and, and it's, it's also just not stable, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like you're mm-hmm. yourself through that all. And then there's still a chance that when your contract expires, you don't get another one. And then what, um, you know, and a lot of the guys haven't gone to school before. And a lot of the guys have never worked any other jobs because they're always playing hockey. And so, um, they, they sacrifice a lot, I think is what I'm trying to say to, to be there and so those those little glimpses of breaks that you see that's not there every day that doesn't happen every other week that doesn't happen through the whole summer that is you know Danny and I took a week off to go to Mexico and that's the only week he took off all year so um yeah so it's it's it really is a full-time gig and it's a lifelong commitment um on the part of the player and also on the part of their families to be fully immersed in this lifestyle, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And we are very thankful for it as hockey fans. <laughs> right. It keeps, it allows them to be the entertaining goofballs that they are, you know? <laughs> yes. So that's a great, yeah. that might be the title of this episode, entertaining goofballs. Featuring I love it. Shosh. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's how I define them. Like the, most of them are just like the goofiest, like, men you will ever like players are so goofy and wholesome and silly and yeah yeah I just love yeah (laughs) I know it's yeah it's funny too because on the ice like they're you know like I see Danny like on the ice and practices and stuff and he's so like stoic serious (laughs) and then and then he's like hanging out with the guys after he's hanging out with me after and he's just like I'm like night and day, like different person. <laughs> like it's so, and and that's how it has to be, right? They need to be yeah. serious when they need to be serious. But most of them off the ice are the nicest people you're ever going to meet. And they are, yeah, a lot of fun to be around. So it's, it's fun to be part of that community for that reason too. That's so fun. I love that. Okay. We're going to wrap up with one last question. And it's a question I like to ask <laughs> all of my guests as a huge Swifty. I yes. am. What is your favorite Taylor Swift song? <laughs> oh gosh. I saw this question and I've been thinking about it all day and I still don't think I can narrow it down to one. Okay. So I'm, I might have to give you a couple. Give me a couple or give me an, you can go album too. If Ooh, you have okay. a album or era. Okay. okay. Yeah. See, this is a good question to ask me because fun fact, during Jet's development camp this year, 
the media team asked the players, the prospects, what their favorite Taylor Swift song is. And Danny, Danny said firework, as in Katy Perry. Oh, Danny. Danny. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, (laughs) as his girlfriend, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, I'm embarrassed. Yeah. I was like, clearly I did not do well enough educating you (laughs) in your Taylor Swift knowledge. Um, yeah. So, and of course that's also like one of their most viral TikToks and has like a million views or some crazy thing now. And I'm like, awesome. Anyways, for me, I think, um, okay. Let me think. I, it, it depends on the mood. I think if I need something like mellow, chill vibes, I love Willow and Cardigan. Okay. Classics. So um, and then my like go-to like jamming out more like singing along song. I love Cruel Summer. <gasps> Ooh, bops. So, bops, bops, bops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I will say I've been to two of her concerts. I definitely okay. don't consider myself to be like a hardcore Swifty, but I like her music. Um, so yeah. Which, which concerts did you go to? Which tours? 1989 and Reputation. Okay, nice. Yeah. I yeah. I went to Reputation tour. That was my first Taylor show. And then I went to Eras tour. Oh, so you managed to get, that's lucky. Yeah. <laughs> I Oh my gosh. It was a, a very lucky series of events to get me there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I know the shows in Toronto have been a nightmare for tickets Mm -hmm. if you've heard um and so i know one person who managed to get tickets yeah Yeah, and that's it (laughs) insane i love her to pieces but i need everybody else to stop loving her so that tickets are easier to get (laughs) and not like a thousand dollars for nosebleed seats please maybe yeah so (laughs) the odds of me going to see her in concert anytime soon are pretty slim but i do love her music for any yeah. mood, there's a song. Shake there It really Off is a classic. Is. Blank Space is a classic. I don't know. I There's so many. But if I had to say, I'd probably say Willow Cardigan and Girl Summer. Incredible. At least you didn't say a Katy Perry song. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't worry. I have educated him since. Good. And I did him the other day. And I can't remember what he said, but he did say an actual Taylor Swift song. So I was Thank like. Thank goodness. You've done well. <laughs> Doing a service for the Swifties, don't you worry. I feel like the, the go-to hockey boy answer in those TikToks is 22. Literally, okay, yeah. like, 22, 22. Yeah. I actually think that might have been what he said. And I was like, do you even know what that song is? Or are you just saying it because that's what, like, 80% of hockey players say? <laughs> that might be a follow-up discussion. <laughs> Slot that into my brain. <laughs> He's got a game today, but after the game, Danny, listen. <laughs> yeah, be like, so, like – Pop quiz. <laughs> a song that isn't 22. <laughs> What's your favorite Taylor Swift song? Yeah. We might need some extra work. When I'm there in December, I'll make sure it's like on yes. in the car. And, yes. Know, Incredible. Danny's going to learn the Willow performance. Literally. dance. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That would be, that would be a good one. That, that would be a TikTok for sure. <laughs> Jet social media. I have. Yeah. I feel like I'm, hello. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I will continue to educate. Don't you worry. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. Thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on and chatting with me. I had such a great time. I feel like I learned a lot. You're a great guest. So thank you so much. I'm so excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun to talk to you. Really good questions. So 
Yeah. Awesome. All right, my friends, we will talk at you next week and um, go. Oh, before we go, tell us where we can find um, your found your nonprofit. If you want to plug your social media, Danny, social media, whatever, tell us where to find you. Sure. Yeah. So our nonprofit is Jilkins Vision on Instagram and Twitter slash X, whatever you're calling it. <laughs> um, so it's Danny's last name. So like Z-H-I-L-K-I-N-S and then Vision, Jilkins Vision. Um, we have a website too. My social media is just my name. So L-A-U-R-E-N-S-H-O-S-S on, I think, everything. It's the same. Um, and then Danny's is just his name. So Danny Jilkin. Um, yeah, feel free to follow. And if you have questions, let me know. <laughs> yeah, that's that. For sure. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. A big thank you again to Lauren Schoss for joining me this week. As always, please follow me on social media at WhatTheChillPod. Subscribe to What the Chill everywhere you get your podcasts and leave a rating and review. It's so helpful and gets WTC out to more people who may enjoy it. Have a fantastic week and I'll talk at you next Tuesday. I love you. Bye.